as we continue our series on the seven statements that Jesus makes, we're going to look at Jesus saying, I am the gate for the sheep. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 10? And if you have this new Bible that we're giving away for free, it is on page 922. John chapter 10, and we'll be looking in verse 7. This is the word of our Lord. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I think as Christians, when we read this particular verse, what does a full life look like to us? And I think sometimes what we're expecting is what we don't get. I want to introduce you to a lady. Come, come take a walk with me. This lady, so, is pretty cool, huh? So, this lady, she comes to church several months ago. And I actually get to talk to her the first time she comes to church. We're just going to take a lap. Yeah, you like to walk, yeah? So I actually get to talk to her, and then I see her several days later at Denny and Darren's house because they needed an interpreter who could speak Japanese. And this lady actually teaches Japanese language. So I see her at the house. Three days after coming to church, Pastor Thomas calls her up. Hey, my friend needs an interpreter. Are you willing to go? And she says, of course. She puts all her stuff back while she's shopping, and she drives over to Denny's house. About a month later, she comes up to me, and she says, Matt, can you and Pastor Thomas and Derek and she would have said Pastor Danny, but he was actually on the mainland. Can you come over to my house and pray for me? Because I have something big coming up, and I need prayer. So I tell her, yeah, just tell Pastor Thomas. If he said, okay, I'll come. And so we go over there, and this is what she shares. She lives in the neighborhood. She bought a house in 2001. She actually made a deal with her relative that they could live with her. She would put the down payment, they would make the mortgage payments, but it was her house. And they would take care of her till she passed away. She said she went to a financial planning seminar to make sure that she's all good. And during this time, she's talking to the financial planner, and she said, oh yeah, I have a house in Eva Beach. And the financial planner tells her, you don't own a house in Ever Beach. 
And so she's like, what are you talking about? Actually, what had happened probably six years before is that the relative had her sign over a paper. Got lawyers draw it up and just said, this is so that saying that we're going to take care of you until you die. So she signs it. But what she doesn't know is that she actually signed over the title to her house to this relative. So she asked us to come over and pray for her because the following day, they were going to find out from the mediator what was going to happen to her. And she was very worried that she was going to get kicked out the very next day out of her house and she would be. So it's decided. She gets a settlement. They're actually going to sell the house and she has to go find a place to live. She finds out at the end of July that the house is sold. She probably has less than 30 days to live there. So now she's starting to panic. She arranges to see a different financial planner to check her status. How much rent can I afford? How long will the money last before it runs out? I know I'm 84 years old, but I think I'm going to live a long time. Am I going to be homeless? And so she starts looking for a place to rent. I didn't realize, because I haven't rented for many years, how expensive rent is. So in what she can afford, there's like three or four places. So she makes some calls. I would like to rent your place. Could you call me up? Because I really need a place to go. I'm not sure when I'm going to get kicked out of my house. Nobody calls her back. And so I call, and I leave a message, and no one calls me back. So I'm telling her, I think it must be rented, because if they want to rent it, I would think they would call you back. So she finds a place in Makakilo. But the rent is a lease. She has to take it for a minimum of six months. And meanwhile, she's searching at all the senior housing close to Eva Beach. Because she is still working part-time. Senior housing, the wait list is from six months to five years. So I tell her, I think you have to find some place temporary. So she finds a place in Makakilo, but like I said, six months lease. She tells the landlord, I cannot do that because I'm waiting for senior housing. So he said, I have a room in my house that I will rent with a separate bathroom. And that I would rent to you on a month-to-month -month basis. So me, being me, I invite myself to go with her to go look at the place. Because I don't want her to live with strangers, you know? And so we go up there, and I can tell when we go there, we have God's favor. 
everything seems like it's going our way. It's on the second floor, and the landlord's concerned. She actually ran up the stairs, and I'm like holding the handrail like an old man. And it's beautiful. The landlord tells her, well, we're still going to take applications tomorrow, which was a Sunday, and then we're going to close it, but then we're going to check everybody's credit record, and then we're going to make a decision. But I feel like God wants me to share her story, so I share it with the landlord. And he says, that's not right. How can that be? So she said, can you pray for me that I would get this place to rent? She gets a call the next night. The landlord said, the place is yours. The only downside of this is that she has to park on the street in Makakilo. There is a steep hill going down the driveway and it's about a quarter mile to the house. So I said, you have to consider that, that it's a pretty far walk and it's steep. And if you come home after everyone is done with work, you're probably gonna have to hike. But in her mind, that's okay, I'll do it. So we go, we give the deposit to the landlord, she gets her keys. And she talks to the wife, and she says, is there any way I could pay a little more for a parking? And the wife says, you know what? My husband needs to lose weight. I'm going to make him park on the street. And she gets to park right in the driveway. I get to talk to the landlord a couple days later, and he's sharing that he said, God told me to rent it to her. I had so many applicants for this place. So many University of Hawaii students want to live here. But he told me, so I gave it to her. I want to show a picture of her room. It is fully furnished. It is beautiful. If you look out that window, it faces the parking lot of the fire station where I was stationed for so many years. This is the view she can see from her room. She can see Diamond Head from her room. She still has to be out of her place. She has until this Friday to move all her stuff out and to get it cleaned up. But she settled in here. You know, this morning I want to share about a a pair of seniors that come to our church. And I found out that every Monday, they go to different senior homes. And they sing and they dance hula. And I was just blown away with, by that because they are both in their 80s. And so I asked them if they would be able to come up here and do a hula for you. Would you welcome Auntie Jerry and Miss Lily?
Argentina. So actually what you couldn't see is this is a Hawaiian hymn. And it says there are three important things. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these are love. During our last baptism a couple weeks ago, I got a text from my daughter. And it says, hey, just want to let you know I love you. And that made me feel so good. But then doubt creeped in. And I tell my wife, hey, do you think she wanted to send it to me? Or what? did she want to send it to somebody else? So my wife looks at the text, and she goes, oh, I don't know. It could be somebody else. So I'm just like, oh, bummers. But I think that's how we can be with God, that God is constantly telling us that I love you. And yet we can doubt that. God's love is not based on our performance or our status, how much money we have, how little money we have, what kind of car we drive, if we're educated or not educated. So I'm thinking about this. I'm like, this is like bothering me. And I see a video on YouTube and the pastor shares an illustration And I would like to share that illustration with you. Psalms 23 says that in the midst of the storm, when we are walking through our darkest valleys of life, that God prepares a table before you in the presence of our enemies. And it's not an empty table. It's not a scarce table. It's a table with abundance. Yet sometimes... The enemy will sneak in and try to sit at our table. He'll pull up a chair. Hey, nice platter. Are those birds made out of apple? That's so cool. Hey, can I have a drink? Who made that? Oh, your wife and your sister? Oh, talented. Oh, you're looking good. And yet, 
when we get a text that says, I just want to let you know that I love you. The enemy will whisper in your ear, I don't think that's for you. I think she meant to send that to her husband. And the seed is planted. How will you know if the enemy is sitting at your table? Because you will hear that you're never going to make it through this. You received a diagnosis or bad news. This is not your house anymore. You should be so angry. You're a loser. God doesn't love them. He can't save them. Or you'll hear him say, you're not good enough. And I was just feeling that way in the last two weeks. This is what I heard the enemy telling me because I let him sit at my table. You know what? It's almost football season. I don't know why you even preach. I think Pastor Danny and Pastor Thomas, they're letting the people know when you preach because nobody shows up every time you get up there. Look, somebody's texting right there. Do you see that? They're like bored. Look at that man over there. He's sleeping. You're wasting your time. Or you might hear, you're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You don't have your masters of divinity. You're lazy. You don't even want to go to school. You can, but you don't want to. Give it up. There's so many other men that can preach. Let them preach. Just say that you want them to develop their gift. Once you start hearing that thing, once you start hearing things that do not line up with the word of God, you have given the enemy a seat at your table. And in this verse it says... The enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And maybe it's your marriage. Maybe there's friction. And they're like, yeah, she doesn't pay attention to you anymore. She dotes on the kids, but eh. Or she might, he might be telling your husband, oh, she's like twice the size she was when you married her. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she had five kids, but still, you know, look at that one. That one's still tight, you know, I mean. <laughs> and so, what do we do when we realize the devil has a seat at our table? Because this table that our good shepherd prepares for us is just for you and him. We have to focus our eyes on Jesus. We have to say, thank you, Lord. That in the midst of the storm, you are with me. 
that you are the resurrection and the life, that you are the bread of life, that you are my good shepherd, that you are the light of the world, that you are the true vine, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and you are the gate where I can come in and be in your fold. Thank you, Lord, that you provide everything I need, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And the power we have in Christ is to say, you do not have a seat at my table. Get off my table. If you've made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, you have a personal relationship with him. If you believe that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, and that three days later, God raised him back to life, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father and is seated right now in heaven. Then you're saved. And you and I have the same assignment. I look at it like we're just like street signs. And street signs, they give us direction. And all we need to do is point the way to Jesus. Perhaps this morning, like a street sign, you're feeling kind of tired a little faded, worn out, beaten down by this world. Perhaps you're like all bent out of shape. Maybe somebody shot a gun at you and there's pukas in there. Maybe you feel broken or you're just hanging by that last screw. Or maybe you totally fell off your signpost. To each one here, Jesus says, arise. To each one here, Jesus says, arise. To each one here, Jesus says, Arise, is there anybody in this place that will stand with me? Because Jesus says, Arise, shine, for your light, which is Jesus Christ, has come, and the glory of the Lord rises 
upon you. Jesus is the gate for the sheep. And he tells you, all who are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. 